You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. It's draft week and we're only two days away. How are you feeling? Nervous. I'm feeling happy. I love the NBA draft. I love both drafts. Love the NFL draft. It's on constantly. It's on all three days that it's on. It's on my television. NBA draft. Usually glued to it. Loved it every single time that it was on when I was a kid. Had to stay tuned for all 60 picks. Excited for this to happen on Thursday night. I don't know how you can be a modern-day Hornets fan and not be a little nervous around draft time that the Hornets are going to do something silly. Now, Mitch Kupchak is at the helm, and so far he has instilled confidence in me and I'm sure a lot of others around not only the draft, but some of the other decisions that come with being a general manager. But at the same time, I just, I worry. Oh, of course you have to worry. I mean, because we know the history of this franchise and what they've done. But we did get a good track record of Mitch Kupchak even before he came to the Charlotte Hornets. We got some good draft Mm -hmm. selections. Mm -hmm. So that is good that Mitch Kupchak was able to do that. Uh, Doug has comprised a game, like the good producer that he is, of all of the things that the Hornets should do in different scenarios. And you've got a lot cooked up. I expected just to talk about three or four. You got close to 10 scenarios that we're going to go through today and why the Charlotte Hornets should do this if this is the scenario that plays out. Well, let me just say, I think that's a reflection of the many different directions that this franchise can go at this point. A lot of that hinges on whether they think they can retain Kimba Walker or not. Um, but there, there are... You know, I think Mitch Kupchak was was talking about whether to draft for you know need or whether they were going to go best uh, player available, and I think he recognizes that there, there are a lot of needs that this team has, and so you know I think it's going to be incumbent on them to find the the best player that they feel like has an opportunity to uh, contribute for many years for this team. So we also had a double workout. It's a double workout. We had that today. Double. Um, we'll go through those players, one in particular, and maybe a second round guy that I really like. But uh, uh whoa, one, yeah, hundred percent. Make sure right? to tune into that. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, second round picks. Oh, that's what we're here to talk. You got about. any undrafted players you'd like to talk about too? Maybe, honestly, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, Doug. There's one undrafted guy on this list that I see that's a little enticing. <laughs> You don't want to talk about it? Well, we'll get to your scenarios then. If that's what you want to get to, that's fine. That's where we'll, that's where we'll go. So the first scenario that we have cooked up here, let's assume that the Hornets have all reasonable options available at the 12 spot. Okay. They can move up and down. They can stay home. By the way, where is that line? We should determine, like, what would be the line for reasonable that this player could fall to 12? For me, I'll tell you where my line is. And I'm looking at ESPN.com's best available draft board. And I think the line right now sits right below the eight spot, and that's nine, and that goes to Sekou Dumboya. And then Kobe White, they list as eight. I don't see Kobe White falling to 12. I could see Sekou, uh, Nas Little, Jackson Hayes, and then Rui Hachimura is sitting at 12. I could see all four of those players being available at 12. I'll give you a group that I don't think falls at all to 12. It's going to be Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, three, Darius Garland, four, Kobe White, five, DeAndre Hunter, six, Jarrett Culver, seven. 
And I think that's where I'll stop. Oh, wow. So you're going seven. So you're saying that Cam Reddish has an opportunity. That's the one where I was trying to decide. But, you yeah. know, I think that there's enough uncertainty about him that I wouldn't deem it um, impossible if he was to fall to 12. Well, because he has that one... He sort of has that one negative that I think is probably more related to players falling, and that's just sort of this uh, capability of a player to go completely silent. I think that's the guy, though. I mean, Cam Reddish probably deserves to be in that. But I'd, some people think he's the next Paul George. Yeah. And, and he was and, just quiet because he was surrounded by R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. Cam Reddish probably deserves to be there, but I just think that there is an outside shot that possibly he could fall. But those are the guys. And I said this on the wake-up call today. I feel like more, and maybe I've said it here a couple times, I feel like plug. this year, the wake-up call, 7.30 the game, ESPN Charlotte, 6 to 10 a.m. <laughs> I feel like when you look at the first round of this year's draft, it differs from other drafts because we have those guys that I just mentioned that aren't going to fall. But would you be surprised to see a Jackson Hayes selected at 10 or even 13 or 14? Now, he probably goes a little bit higher than that. But even No, if, he, I agree. I think but among those guys that I mentioned, Sekou, Nas Little, Jackson Hayes, Rui, like if you look at the mock drafts, and trust me, folks, I have. <laughs> You've got the evidence. <laughs> there, is, there is no one that has seen more mock drafts uh, this season <laughs> than me. And I'm telling you, those four names are all over the place. I mean, I've seen Sekou as high as six. And and I'm not talking about the weird ones that, you know, like Bleacher Report puts out like 17 of these things a day. I'm talking about the respectable ones, your CBS Sports, your NBADraft.net, the people that pay attention to this stuff all year. I've seen these names all over the place. So let's go close to the double digits. I would not be surprised if P.J. Washington was selected at 12 or 11 or if he was selected at 2021. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised to see Goga Bitese, who worked out for the Mm -hmm. Hornets today. I wouldn't be surprised to see him drafted at 12 or 20. I would not be surprised to see Kevin Porter drafted at 12 or 20. I there's so many guys that you could put it's a lot of the reason why I traded back because I allowed myself to understand that I'm not a genius at this mm-hmm. that nobody is. I agree. So you take two stabs at it in the first round rather than one because there are so many people. Yeah, you, you could knock me as Rick Benell has has had no problem knocking me for trading back. Benell Burns. Well, let me just he say. Gets you every let once me just say if you if you take uh, if you stab your your selection multiple times, uh, that's not going to portend future success. So if you have a couple of those guys, instead of just taking a chance on one panning out, I just like I just like improving my odds a little bit more, and I think you could do that at twenty seven and seventeen. It's part of the reason, but there's so many guys that could fall in the range of ten to even later than twenty. You got Kevin Porter right now, best available uh, according to ESPN. They have him at twenty. So let's start with Kevin Porter because I think that's going to be my answer for this first question that we have. The the first question that we have, and we'll get through a couple Jeopardy answer before the question. Yeah, this is exactly what it is. Uh, I'm going to go. with am i annoying you today no not at all see before the show i'm actually happy with you today because yeah. yesterday you seemed off. tired i was I, I think that we did a good show yesterday too i think after the show yesterday i felt mm-hmm. like we just came in here man we grinded that thing out yeah, it yeah. was one where we were both really tired Rise and not and exactly we didn't want to be here mm-hmm. but i felt like it worked for us and then today it just seemed like you're in a lot better mood and i like good mood doug i did yeah i'm in a minute i'm in a much better mood <laughs> Now you're annoying me. Yeah, I'm in a much better mood. I, I was able to go home. I listened to a podcast about the Apollo missions, really nerded out for a while. Kind of did you just, in. did you, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Did you snore at me mm-hmm. talking about second round picks? Did you 
give me a snore sound uh-huh. when you I did. mentioned me maybe talking about undrafted guys. Right. But you went home and mm-hmm. relaxed to listen to some Apollo mission. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's the 50th anniversary of a little thing I like to call, and a lot of people like to call, the moon landing. You, you think know, that, you think the that greatest, stage is still... The greatest the human <laughs> achievement of all time. Well, I mean, filming that on a stage isn't really that great of an achievement to me. I feel, right. like, we, I feel like we've seen that multiple times. Go ahead. I'm just Kyrie saying. Irving. I'm just telling you. Get out of here. It wasn't that impressive to it me. It was incredibly impressive, and uh, I love anything space-related. So I got in my zone, and then I watched The Bachelorette, and that got me <laughs> even more into my zone. That's quite the turnaround. And then now I'm I'm feeling very good today. I want to take a break before we get into this because there's still a lot of stuff to get to. I feel like we've gone over, and sometimes I find myself in these predicaments where we then commit to a segment, and then it just lasts 16 minutes. So if you don't believe one. in the moon landing, mm-hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement if you don't believe the moon landing? Which, by the way, is preposterous. Of course we went to the moon. Um. I think the greatest achievement of all time would be the greatest human achievement. The, the greatest human achievement. I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise it's rather really than counterclockwise. I've tried it. It's really tough. I think that's I think that's the greatest achievement of all time, at least that I've ever seen. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll take a quick break. We'll give you plenty of scenarios in the upcoming draft for the Charlotte Hornets uh, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I always think of now, anytime I hear... On wax, I now think of your beef on wax sandwiches. And it reminds me of Marcel Louis Jacques, who wrote for the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer really just half a year. He was not here very long, but he was very good. And he was so good that ESPN picked him up. So, congrats to Marcel Louis Jacques for say, going wait, to wait, ESPN. Did you say congrats? Congrats, yeah. It's Isn't it congrats? Like with a T? I think you're saying it with a D. I think. I mean, I understand that it's spelled congratulations with a T. I right. just, I guess it's just more So when of people a, say it, they usually say congrats, not congrats. I mean, I guess I just ran it together. All right, continue. This is one of those things I promise that I know how to spell congrats. Okay, Anyways. I'm just saying. I just, I just wanted to clear it up. Congratulations <laughs> to Marcel Louis Jacques. Thank you. The S is silent on the end of Jacques, by the way, in case you didn't know, who is going to be the ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Buffalo Bills. You've got in my head now, man. I'm trying to think what of were you if say, I, What were you trying to say? That because, he, well, he put out a tweet uh-huh. that hit, you know one of his favorite sandwiches is the beef on weck sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you've talked about that. I mean, you really have brought that up ever since the Aju incident of 2019. I, I felt like you have brought that up at least five times and how much you like it and how much even you've eaten it since then. Right. So, well, I got it from this restaurant that I've gone to uh, somewhat frequently because it's near the studio here and I have avoided that sandwich. I don't know why. I think the uh, the name, have you ever like had a food where you sort of avoided it because of the name of it? Beef on weck, Mm. like on weck, just that phrase. We talked about gross words and that, you know, a couple of shows back, but like on weck always kind of grossed me out for some reason, but then I had it and it sort of was was like a revolution. Like I was like, oh my God, the sandwich is amazing. And then I realized. Did you mean revelation? 
No, it was a revolution, a food revolution. You're right. I did mean revelation. Mm, I didn't know there was an uprising and <laughs> beef sandwiches. I just was wondering. Oh, no. It was more like a downrising. Oh. Anyway, um, then I realized that Charlotte actually has like sneaky good buffalo food because that bar that serves that sandwich is a Buffalo Bills bar. And then there's another uh, restaurant here that serves really good buffalo wings, but is also a buffalo bar. Uh, it's called... I'll come up with the name of it here in a second. Probably should have thought of that. That was a, that was I a good job. I you genuinely had me thinking you weren't stalling. I thought you were just going to give. I thought you Lebowski's. Just Lebowski's. Oh, Talk go. about a revolution in food. <laughs> Lebowski's. They took over. <laughs> what are some of these scenarios? We're stalling. <laughs> uh, by, I, no, I just wanted to get real quickly. I wanted to say you're right about on Weck because then you pair it with Aju and it sounds like a sneeze. And so I'm not really trying to pair my sneeze sauce with a sandwich that already doesn't have. A very appealing name. Ajou. Let's get to the scenario. So the first one is, even though we don't have enough time, all right, we'll take a quick break. I'm just kidding. Let's go with the first one that you have up for us. If the Hornets want to get a future star in the making without sacrificing future assets, which means that they're going to have to stay home really at number 12, Okay. who would they select in order to get that guy? My answer is Kevin Porter. If we're going for a guy that is a future star that has the highest upside where you think if everything pans out, He's going to have the highest ceiling. I, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is that guy. I think it, the the step back is crazy. I, I think his handles are very James Harden-esque. I, I know a lot of people get carried away when you compare somebody to a legitimate all-star or you know legend of the game. But to me, I just think that their body motion, their, the way that they handle the basketball, the way that they even drive to the lane, I feel like there's some – I feel like James Harden and Kevin Porter – have their upper body stationary and just kind of wiggle their elbows when they go to the rim. I feel like they both kind of have that in their game. Being left-handed helps with the comparison. I, I just think that their games are extremely similar, except that Kevin Porter Jr. is more athletic. To me, that's the answer. You want a star, but you have to stay at 12. You hope everything pans out at number 12. Kevin Porter Jr. is my guy. You're not worried that he shot just a little above 50% from the free throw line, that he's an no, erratic, I am. erratic defender? Oh, I'm certainly worried about all of that. It's just, if you're asking me who has the highest upside, I am also, I'm going to go with the athletic guy who can shoot, who did shoot very well, I believe 38% from NBA range last season. I think he did shoot 40, if I'm not mistaken, from beyond the arc, legitimate college range, which has since been uh, brought back a little bit more. But I, I think certainly there's a lot of things that you worry about about I I wonder about his IQ I wonder about whether he just knows how to play the game all that well yet or if it can be coached I'm hoping it can be coached I worry about some of the character issues quote unquote that has been had I don't know him but that's been something that's been said I just think he's got the highest ceiling you know for the longest time I thought it was quote unquote Mm -hmm. unquote yeah it's not quote unquote right I think I just informed some people because I think a lot of people think it's quote unquote is it quote unquote I know it's quote unquote See, I just substituted the T for the D there. And then unquotation. Anyhow, my answer, and if you've been listening to the show at all, you know what my answer is going to be. It's, of course, Jackson Hayes, who I think is going to be an absolute star in the NBA. It's Hayes rem- on Jax. He reminds me. Yeah, Jax with an X, by the way, and that's how you know that he's for real. But also because he's a seven-footer with seven-three wingspan. He's He reminds me most of uh, of any other player of Giannis. I mean, he he just he screams Giannis Antetokounmpo to oh, me. Oh, without the handles, though, right? I without, mean, well, but, I mean, let's, you know, let's see if those develop. I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, he just has the physical you profile. See him, and he, I'm sorry. You see him more as the 3-4 
type rather than just, I'm just straight saying up the rim league, running that's the way the league is going. These guys are everything's getting bigger. I'm not saying now. I'm not saying yeah. he's going to come in the first year and be able to do anything close to what Giannis is doing now. What you I'm think saying he'll be is, Giannis right away. I got you. <laughs> what I'm saying is this is where the league is going. If you want to go where the league is going, go with Jackson Hayes. Uh, the second scenario we have is if the Hornets want to get a future star in the making and don't care about future assets, they will do what? I'll let you answer first on this one. Do you have one? Well, I think that if they are really looking to move up I mean the farthest place I think you can move up at this point is four and if you really believe that Darius Garland has guard you know star potential then I think that's what they would have to do is give up future assets the Pelicans look like they want to deal that fourth pick and Garland is a risk but he's the natural choice there at four yeah Darius Garland highly coveted coming out of high school I think Darius Garland is really good I think whoever gets him whether it's Phoenix whether he does fall to Chicago at seven which I don't think is going to happen um, whether it's I, I don't think you you don't go him at with the Pelican spot I guess because you have Drew Holiday and now Lonzo Ball but you do need some shooting and so I, I would think and, and maybe they well, shop no he's young and he and you know he's going to need some seasoning so if you're yeah. in New Orleans I think you still take him with that fourth pick if no one wants to deal with you and and just wait to see how it turns yeah. out in the future no I'd be interested to see what the Pelicans would do with another point guard on that roster when they really have three and I mean, I guess Drew can play off ball, but he can't shoot that well. I'd be interested to see what they do. But Darius Garland is a guy that comes to mind as well. He played seven games at Vanderbilt before getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And nobody's been able to move him off of the fourth pick. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been the consensus four pick there. So that to me signals like, okay everybody can't be wrong. Like they've, they've, you know, they're seeing something in this kid that says, this guy's going to be no. A star. He, dude is smooth, man. Yeah. I mean, you watch him in the backcourt. He, he just got an easy game. It, it reminds me. It just reminds me of an easy game where he's able to get cross half court. Doesn't really panic at all. I, I like his game. That's a name that comes to mind. Also, just somebody with I think a lot of upside. Kobe White kind of comes to mind in this scenario, which it, it kind of goes into a couple of the other at least examples we have going forward. But let, let's get to him. So Darius, it, Darius's game is a revolution to the point guard position. <laughs> if if the Hornets want their power forward of the future. The Hornets will do what at this position? So the power forwards that would be listed here, I think the one with the most upside, I think Sekou Demboya if he falls. I don't know if he falls all the way all the way to 12. I think there's a good shot that he falls. He did in our locked-on NBA mock draft. I think he's had a good preseason draft process or a good pre-draft process. So Sekou Demboya to me, if they want their power forward of the future, somebody that is able to handle the ball, I he didn't shoot all that well I know there was a game not too long ago where he shot five three-pointers and made him I know he has the form it looks like in some of the videos that have been released with nobody on him but does have the form pretty well I think Dumboy is probably that guy because I just I don't look at PJ Washington and think power forward of the future somebody that has a high I'm going high ceiling again I don't like Hachimura you know Jackson Hayes could be that guy that would fit here I guess but I see him more really as a center I'm not going Nas Little he's more small forward to me I, I think Sekou Dumboya is the power forward if Miles Bridges isn't your guy right now I mean if you're going to more play him at the three I think Dumboya at six nine I think that's the guy I'd go with yeah I think I think you do one of two things decide that Miles Bridges is your power forward of the future and and look elsewhere in the NBA draft or you go with PJ Washington in my opinion because I think PJ Washington is a player that can sort of take over that Marvin Williams role of being a consummate professional, of being somebody that's going to be dependable on both ends of the floor, and I think his shooting will improve. Um, I'll go P.J. Washington for this next one. Okay. It's 
if the Hornets want to play it safe with the 12th pick and draft a player that will be in the league for the next 10 years, PJ Washington, they will draft PJ Washington. I totally agree. I mean, I think this is a, a, a no-brainer. If if you're a team and you you don't care about upside and you want a player that is never going to make an All-Star team that is just going to be dependable for you for many years to come, then that's PJ Washington. If the Hornets want to find a replacement for Kimball Walker the Hornets will maybe go with our other scenario of finding a future star going for Darius Garland. Or maybe you can't move up that high, and maybe you decide to go with Kobe White. I think you're looking at point guards. Not a very strong point guard class. It's Darius Garland. It's Kobe White. It's, I can't even give you another one here at the beginning of the draft. Or John Moran, of course, number two. But then Darius Garland, Kobe White. And yeah. I don't. I, you look at just mock drafts. I can't give you another point guard until you get to Ty Jerome. Right. So this is not a point guard heavy draft. That's good. That's good to know, you know, going into this thing. And, and I think that I think Kobe White is the player. I don't think you try to replace Kimball Walker with Darius Garland because you would have to give up so much in the future that you're really, you know, dooming yourself. Like if you had other assets to put around Darius Garland already, then that makes more sense. But I think you, you know, you kind of I think what you should do if you really wanted to replace Kimball Walker in this draft. I don't know that that's a great idea, but if you wanted to do that, I think you monitor the situation and see if Kobe White is going to sort of fall into the 9-10 range and then move up slightly yeah. and not have to give up as much. No, I think that's exactly what you do. You you wait and see. Although, you know, you've seen, uh, you, you saw him work out with the Washington Wizards, and I think some people, I guess, were surprised about that. Not, I, I don't think I was too surprised. I feel like a lot of these teams are going to work out a ton of players just to see just in case something weird happens so oh, that's another thing if you really want your point guard of the future you could look to deal with a team like houston or the washington wizards and just get some star power to put in that point guard position i think kobe white is that guy i would want if i if i were to replace kimba walker uh, if the hornets want to keep kimba walker then it doesn't really change a whole lot to me I, I, I even if even if he is a point guard, get Kobe White. If he's there at twelve, oh yeah, and you want to keep Kimba, you you take you need guard. You take you Kobe need guard White. Play anyway. You take Kevin you Porter everything. Jr. It, if they keep Kimba, it doesn't change a whole lot. If he leaves, then maybe you look a little bit more heavily at getting a point guard. But if he stays, you still get the best player available. You still get the guy that you like, no matter what position that he but plays. But do you, if if you want him to? What if you want him to stay? So not if not if you know Kimba Walker is going to stay because I don't think the Hornets are going to know that on draft night. But it, what do you do in the draft if you really want to signal to Kemba, hey, we're in this thing? Or does that even matter? Does what do you do in the draft? Do you just stay put and, and hope to do I don't, something else? I don't know if I – I don't want to give you the same answer every time you throw a question at me. I just – I think it's the same, right? Like if you think it's the best player available, doesn't isn't that what Kemba wants? Because Kemba knows he's not going to get the bench. What do you guys. want, Kemba? <laughs> if he wants the best player available and you think that's Kobe White, I could see Kobe White and Kemba Walker and see that backcourt looking good and working together. You know, Kobe, even though – it was always weird to me. People kept putting him at six five. I mean, I think people got confused with the hair. Uh, he was never that big, <laughs> but and he didn't measure that when he took his shoes off. And he was he wasn't six five, but it is a bigger dude. He's a strong guy, and I wonder. And defensively, one of my favorite things about watching Kobe White this season, you know, you saw him defensively. It, you don't have to worry about this dude's motor at all. No. I mean, diving, he gets low, hands yeah. on the shorts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, He's ready to roll. On those short shorts, by the mm -hmm. way, the ones that barely go past what they were wearing back in the 1960s. <laughs> it doesn't make me change my opinion at all about what they would do if Kimba was staying. If the Hornets want to, want to buck the mock drafts and take buck, a player. Buck, Did I say buck? 
It's just making it, making sure everyone, no one misheard. It's buck. Okay, if the Hornets went to bleep it's the mock da- drafts, well, it's a up, dangerous word. And that's take, my fault. I wrote that word. <laughs> and take a player nobody has at twelve. They will blank. Yeah. So this is basically if they if they want to reach and just forget all the mock drafts, forget all the players that are around the twelve spot. We're gonna reach down into the bottom of the first round and grab us a gem. So Bruno Fernando is somebody that I think on most mock drafts is way further down. But I have seen him go all That's the way up fault. to number ten. That was is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. I've seen Bruno Fernando go to ten. Even I, I've seen that in some mock drafts, but that would be the one answer that comes to mind. I'll give you another one that I haven't seen go crazy high, even though there's a lot of people that are very high on him, and that's Chuma Okiki. He gets hurt in that game against North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. If he doesn't, this dude's a lottery pick. And so, if you just want to say, okay. We're going to go with somebody that is okay, extremely okay. good, Okiki. <laughs> but if, if you, you want to say OKK. Okay, okay. You can. You can say OKK. Okay, okay. Hell, we, we've made it known that we can say whatever we want, <laughs> no matter how the words are actually pronounced. I would go Chuma Okiki as that answer. Somebody that you know is going to be good but might miss some time. And remember, ACL injuries. You know my answer. It's not Achilles. You know, I mean, it, it's not the same. We're, we're talking about Clay Thompson probably coming back in what, March? I mean, maybe he can miss the entire year, but you know, Chumo Kiki, he gets hurt in, what is it? I guess he does get hurt in March during the tournament. And so if you're talking about not quite a year rehab, I'll take that guy in the first round and wait for him to develop. That's the guy I would be taking in that scenario. Uh, it'd be a huge reach. I mean, that's an Oakland Raiders level reach. Sacramento Kings level reach. My answer is, NFL. you know my answer. I, I, is it that? Is it crazy, though? I mean, Bowl Bowl is your answer. Mabo! You're right. I Who haven't seen him. plate that, when you got a bowl. I haven't seen him that high, though. So you nice. are right about that. I don't know if that's a crazy reach. I named him twice. I went Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. good. I'm going to give you the laugh on that Thank one. Thank you. Um, our last one that we have. <laughs> If the Hornets, that seemed longer than I remember. If the Hornets want to improve their defense. because you never get it. If the Hornets want to improve their defense <laughs> in the future, what will they do with the 12th overall selection or just trade up or whatever? How are they going to improve the defense? Uh, defense, I think I'm going to go. It's tough. I mean, I think Nas Little would be good for, for defense. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of guys that just have, like, the physical profile of a great defender because I think that's really more indicative of great defense these days than, than a guy necessarily with a great motor. I think they get a lot of these. I think there's a lot of guys with that. Yeah, Nas, I think Jackson Hayes, I think obviously Brandon Clark, great rim defender, um, P.J. Washington. Yeah, there's a lot. of uh, Keldon Johnson even I think would be Cabin Gelly is one name that Cabin we have Gelly. not talked about a lot, but Cabin Gelly. Because I can't pronounce it. Very intriguing. Especially that first name. 6'10", 255 pounds. Let me try. Emiefiondu. MRF Rondu. Kevin Gelly. <laughs> I think I tried. I think that would be somebody that would be appealing on the defensive side. And if he can develop a consistent three-point shot, which I think, I, I think that would be a good pick at that spot. You're staying away from Gogabitaze if you're going straight defense. Goggles and bottles. I, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker would be interesting if you want to improve defense. Oh, man, that would be boring. 
If they take if they take Nikhil Alexander Walker after all this time, he was he was mocked to them a lot early on, and then really fell out of contention for a lottery pick. If they went with him, that would be a big disappointment for me the locked on nba mock draft is underway the local experts in every one of their draft rooms jeremy Wu of sportsillustrated.com he's got the player breakdowns and josh lloyd has all of the locked on fantasy basketball information that you could ever want it's all of that on locked on nba and we'll take a quick break we'll come back with plenty more where the locked on hornets podcast a part of the locked on podcast network bubble you are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biamba before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Kevin Arnovitz, basketball analyst for ESPN. He's one of my favorites. I imagine he's one of everybody's favorites. Friend he's of the show. One of the best to ever do it. Kevin Arnovitz is fantastic. And also, Doug Branson is angry at Kevin Arnovitz because Kevin Arnovitz does not like fun. Friend of the show in that we just take audio that he's um, given to <laughs> ESPN 730. The wake-up call, 6 to 10 a.m., 730 the game. Yeah, Kevin, you know, if you know anything about Kevin Arnovitz, he hates the draft. Uh, I think he also hates fun. He's a lot like Nada in that respect, but he doesn't like the idea of the draft, and he's been very clear on that. And so around draft time, he always finds creative ways to write about, because you can't write the same article every year, right? You can't just come out every year and say, the draft is the draft is dumb, the draft is anti-competitive, and you know I don't want to see the draft anymore. You have to find creative ways. So this year, he has uh, uh, written this article on ESPN.com titled, Let Zion Williamson Choose Where He Wants to Play Next. And it cites uh, Adam Silver, what he told Bill Simmons at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, that a lot of players are unhappy. And, you know, there were reasons cited at that conference about why players these days are more unhappy, attributing a lot of that to anxiety and social media. And so he sort of writes this article, you can go read it on ESPN.com, that connects the dots to the fact that players might be unhappy because they don't get to choose where they want to work. Like they are forced to go work in places like, you know, Washington, D.C. and Charlotte and all these other places. And they can't go to L.A. and New York where everything is wonderful and and everyone just frolics and has a great time. <laughs> and so this and makes I think you it's angry. ridiculous. And you think this is it makes you angry. No, I, I completely understand. Look, the draft, I just said at the top of the show, it is one of my favorite things to watch. I grew up absolutely loving the NBA draft, loving the NFL draft. I have a hard time arguing with a lot of these points, though. And I understand your point, that it's not like we all get to choose exactly where we want to work. No, we don't. Yeah, that's that's my point. I mean, when you're 18 or how many of you that are listening right now, when you were 18 years old or even 21 years old, when you're first getting started out in your career, got to choose exactly where you where you wanted to work how for how much money because that's the thing about the draft too the draft sets salary limits rookie scale contracts and a lot of these and i don't know if kevin arnovitz in particular has this view but i would venture to say he probably does that these players should not only not be drafted but should be able to get paid whatever they want there should be no rookie scale i know there are definitely people who hold that opinion and I'm saying, like, how many of us were able, were given that luxury to me? So here's from the article. He says, freedom of choice for players should be a sacrosanct principle, particularly in a league that claims to value meritocracy. 
why? They're coming into the league. They haven't proven anything. So here's the problem, though. With a guy like Zion Williamson, because he is so coveted, he does not get complete free reign of where he wants to choose when maybe somebody that is the 61st overall player who is not drafted can sign on with a team as an undrafted free agent. So there's going to be five teams, and while he doesn't get to choose from all 30, he does get to choose among at least five teams, and that is way more of a decision than Zion has. And the same thing with the NFL draft, where you have 255, 56 players drafted, a lot of those undrafted free agents, a lot of times you hear, I don't necessarily agree because you want to hear your name called, but a lot of times people will discuss, well, it makes more sense for these guys at around the 230 range to just not get drafted because then you get your choice of who you want to go play with. And I'll tell you this. Zion Williamson, I you're right. We don't get to all choose where we want to play, but you are prohibiting him because every team he would have his option. His ability, the the market, it calls for Zion. And because of this draft, we are limiting that to say, nope, this is where you have to work. Where if I had the Zion ability in the radio world and there were tons of people knocking on the door to get me then it, I would be okay to choose where I want to go because I'm not prohibited through a draft. I see that point, but at the same time, this it's not just about one team. It's about the league as a product as a whole, and they have to they have to protect the product as a whole. And there has to be so, look if you look if you want to take the NBA and make it eight teams and put it in all the major markets. Okay, then that's one thing. But if you want full national coverage and you want all of these smaller markets. Then, then you can't damn them to insignificance because no one's going to really want to play in some of these destinations. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. We've got a couple of other shows this week. We're going to release one tomorrow, release one Thursday. But also, we're going to do a special live show Thursday night. During the draft, I don't think we're going to have that show live on Twitter. We're just going to do a live reaction show, and we're going to release that Friday. We are going to do player-hater comps at some point. It probably is my favorite thing we've ever done on this show. There's a lot of great things with the naming categories. I think player-hater comps is my favorite thing. We're going to do that at some point this week, so stay tuned. This entire week, we'll have plenty of draft coverage, and we will have a live reaction show in just a couple of days. Until then, join me tomorrow on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Again, we're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It's a revolution! (laughs) 